You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back to Arsenal Pass, episode 100. Brendan, episode 100. We've hit the, we've hit the three digits, the three figures. Did you, did you think we'd get to this point? Um, yeah, I did. I did. And I am happy to announce that we are retiring Arsenal Pass after episode 100. Just wanted to end with a bang. <laughs> okay, so I just want to shout out our audio editor, Hoodwill. Um, I think it's at Hoodwill on Twitter. I don't know his Twitter, Twitter saw that. But I told him that, and uh, I let it sit for a few hours, and he literally, I sent it to a group chat, and then he DMs me like four hours later. He's like, hey, man, can we talk about the pod? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you said, what are you, are you doing something special? And Brennan's like, just snaps off immediately. Yeah, we're retiring the pod after episode 100. <laughs> That's right. Will, we, we, we love you, Wolfman. <laughs> but well, no, we're, not, we're not retiring the pod. Uh, to 100 more episodes, want to say a big thank you to all of the Arsenal Pass listeners, to our, our patrons, to everyone who's you know, supported us over the nearly two years now. Uh, Brennan, we started with Monarch previous season. We've now gone through Monarch, Tales of Aria, Everfest. Uh, Uprising, Dynasty, and now Upsiders. Outsiders. This is our sixth set that we've covered uh, as the Arsenal Pass podcast, and it's um, it's been a pleasure to do so. And you know, I'm looking forward to. We've got a couple of really exciting things over the next couple of weeks. We've got our limited set review, as we always do. This will be our what well, is our fourth limited set review. We started it with Monarch, and uh, we've continued it through, and, and we love delivering those. We've got that coming out early next week. Look out for that. Uh, we've got a little bit of giveaway. We'll talk about soon, and you know, we've just got more flesh and blood stuff to come uh from ourselves so yeah just want to say a big thank you brendan yeah <clears throat> long way away from when we met casting the the blitz calling um in 2020 i don't know how many of you listening to this have seen that but uh, it's a gem for sure the gem <laughs> all right brendan. uh in terms of what we're covering in episode 100 we are going to be talking about outsiders of course we can't not be we're going to just dive into our first take on Outsiders for Class Constructed, what we're sort of, you know, what we're excited about, what we're looking at. We're going to cover uh, the new heroes, how we're sort of thinking we might approach building some of these decks for the first time, some of the cards that are really standing out to us, and just a really high-level look at Outsiders first impressions for Class Constructed. Of course, it's really early. The full preview season is just wrapped up, and I think everything but the Fabled at this point is available to view. If you don't want, you know, spoilers beyond what you've already seen, um, there's there's not too much, to be honest, that's come out. I think most of the, the key cards we previewed during the preview season, I think, are a couple of Majestics and Commons. Um, we already knew about a few reprints as well, which we, we alluded to last week on the show. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you are trying to deathly avoid uh, spoilers, mm-hmm. I guess, for some of the cards that you may not know about yet, then maybe, you know, listen to this pod next week after the pre after the pre-release but we are going to you know dive into a lot of the cards that have been shown and um that's going to be episode 100 before that brennan talk this week in flesh and blood you know it's a, it's a bit of a quieter time i personally have played no flesh and blood in the last week it's been my kind of first full week off in flesh and blood for a very long time because after worlds i said i'm taking a break but then dynasty dropped and i did not take a break but uh since the calling auckland i have not played a single game of flesh and blood so it's um been nice to have a little bit of a break before outsiders I've been trying to wrap my mind around these freaking spoilers because they were dropped so closely in succession. I actually want to put out a question there for for the listeners and especially the people on YouTube. Let us know in the comments below. Do you think a condensed spoiler season like we got in Outsiders is ideal? So everything being spoiled and let's say 
around two to three days. Um, not counting, you know, some of the early ones that were spoiled. Those are outliers. Do you think that that's ideal or would you rather have it spread out across a longer time period? Um, just wondering, cause I know for me, like I was diving into spoilers. I was like, Oh my God. I was trying to, I was trying to like parse them and understand them like all at once. I'm like, I'm going to have to come back to this so many times. Yeah. I, I mean, I felt the same. I did a bit of a, a real deep dive on the Monday evening once a lot of things had sort of dropped through, um, and tried to get my head around stuff. I was trying to keep up as it went, but it was really quick. And a lot of, I'd say like six deeps in the spoilers probably, or preview cards came out when I was you know, quiet times when I was sleeping mm-hmm. or before bed or just not long after waking up. So in the mornings with breakfast for that sort of weekend, I was like, okay, what, what do we got? And honestly, I've got to say from a personal standpoint, like I'm really interested to hear what people think, uh, what our, our listeners think, what Arsenal Pass uh, listeners think. But I really enjoyed this more condensed season. I think I get really distracted over the kind of like week and a half. And it is, to be fair, it is really cool. I really loved last time where it was like, we've had these teased out, you get these heroes drop and I... I actually personally preferred it this way, how we, we heard about the heroes really early. Um, I think even like around Dynasty, right? We knew what the heroes were going to be for the set. And then we got these sort of like drips of like spoilers coming through preview cards. We, you know, we saw Bonds of Ancestry. We saw the Inertia, Blood Rot, um, Frailty Tokens. And then we, we get to this point where it's like just three days of like all the excitement. And maybe I want like five days, but I did find it a bit easier to, to digest. And I know that I'm going to get some work done this week. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, as Brendan says, drop your comments. Let's move on to the news, Brendan. And uh, I guess, I mean, first thing, we, we dropped our preview card. If you didn't see our little short that we popped up, go and check it out. Uh, yeah. Our preview card is, is interesting. I'm really, I'm in, genuinely interested to see if it's going to see much play because I think our kind of first take, in all honesty, Brendan, was hmm, not our not the most powerful card we've had uh, in a preview season before. But, you know, we're probably due uh, uh, a less powerful card. So we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. But if you haven't seen Down and Dirty, cool name, by the way, um, go and check it out. Bonus points because it did piss off some illusionist players for sure. I think that a lot of outsiders some people were like tilting. Yeah, for sure. A lot of outsiders has been tilting illusionist players. Honestly, the people in the worst uh, in the worst spot right now are fatigue players. If those people exist, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, down and dirty is definitely down and dirty when it comes to uh, a very good card, or at least a sideboard card against uh, against illusionist as a popper. Yeah, big, we didn't talk about it too much because we just did a, a quick short uh, that was kind of the the director from LSS this previous season was if we can, you know, really push content through shorts and stuff. I know some people did these really expansive videos, which made sense for some of the cards and, you know, heroes that people got to to reveal. But um, one of the things we didn't harp on too much is this idea that you can hold a popper in your arsenal for multiple turns. You know, sometimes you're playing and it's really awkward trying to like float the six attack. It's really obvious, but, you know, putting a card in arsenal, that's just pretty pretty normal, right? And mm-hmm. you can hold it for a couple of turns and, and still play out your game plan. So um yeah I, I think the card is a bit more powerful than i thought and i'm interested to see kind of its place in in the game uh skirmish season six brendan was announced by lss i think this had already been floating around in the retailer info the the, the classic uh fab tcg.com uh, it's announced but it's not announced but now skirmish season six has been announced it's running from april 8th to 23rd uh the formats are going to be i want to say well actually prizes first so there is um cold full azaleas which james white actually let everyone know about it worlds that azalea was coming for the next skirmish season as the the prize um there's these rainbow foil azuris rainbow foil riptides and uh, rainbow foil arachne solitary confinement plus these raises edge playmats which look freaking awesome by the way um and it is going to be blitz constructed and sealed so uh you know you stores can choose to run sealed with top eight draft which i think is is really cool or they can choose to run sealed all the way through or they can do blitz so i'm hoping to get a mix um i'm you know as everyone who listens to us to pass knows me and brendan are very excited about limited 
So uh, I'm keen to play some more limited. Mm. I would say I would say the skirmish season for me is conditional on if the format's good. I think if the format's not good, um, or at least it's on par with Uprising in terms of enjoyability, I probably would skip skirmish season. But if it's anywhere close to like some of the other sets that I've enjoyed, like Tales of Aria, Welcome to Wraith, I'm definitely going to play skirmish season. I'm not sure about you if you're just going to play no matter what. Uh, I'll probably play... I mean, I'm really hopeful that this limited format is going to be a good one <laughs> so I, i'm probably pretty committed to playing any any uh sealed ones that are in my sort of area um i mean my first kind of take just doing some notes for uh, a couple of podcasts we've got dropping over the next week for limited is that i think this limited format is going to be very interesting and very good so you know we'll we'll, uh, we'll see and alice has promised us and they've never promised us a good limited <laughs> set before brendan obviously so oh yeah never <laughs> we love you guys all right uh, well, on the back of that, uh, we do have another po- So we do have our Outsiders limited set review coming. It will be dropping earlier in the week. It'll be dropping at the start of the week as opposed to end of the week, middle of the week, like we do with this pod normally. Uh, so Arsenal Pass episode 101, the Outsiders limited review will be up early. Uh, but do have also have an announcement. Got a another podcast that's coming for this limited season uh, called Limited Time Only, focusing on the limited side of the game through this Outsiders limited season. This is something I've wanted to do for a while. wanted to do it for... The last season, logistically, we just couldn't get to it. Uh, but we've got episode one. I've got Yuanji coming on to uh, break down how to win your sealed pre-release. Basically, we're going to talk all things sealed and uh, pre-release with outsiders. So uh, be sure to check that out. That'll be coming next week about this time, uh, maybe a little bit earlier, so you can get it before your pre-release. Have a quick listen, and of course, you will have me and Brennan waxing lyrical on our grades for the uh, the limited the limited format and probably getting a few wrong. It's always fun, isn't it, Brendan? Yeah. Usually it's me that gets it wrong, to be honest. Wondering if it's. Yeah. I mean, in, in Uprising for sure. In Uprising for sure. Um, I wonder if there's going to be any, any pile decks here. Uh, just looking at the just looking at the weapons that are available. You know, we do have Ranger. Mm. We do have Ranger coming back into a limited set. Ranger, historically uh, a bit a bit sensitive, I guess, to, uh, to pile and fatigue. But we do have daggers. So, yeah, fatigue, dagger, uh, pile. I just love when, when people think that pile is like a, an effective deck in the early days of a limited set. It makes it really fun on the, uh, on the other side. Well, just going to be talking about now uh, in the episode one of Limited Time Only and, and sort of strategies for, for pre-release. But one thing I'll, I'll give you a bit of a spoiler is that we have Benji in the set and we have Stealth in the set. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is going to be harder to deny damage and use your cards as efficiently as you could with pile decks in the past i think so you know, there's a there's a one for free get ready for your your pre-release um 100 episode giveaway Brendan, while we're here as well we do have a bit of a, a giveaway we don't really do giveaways too much on arsenal pass but it's you know we've hit episode 100 we're nearly two years in we do have a quick giveaway so uh brendan already asked a question about you know what you thought of this limited uh, sorry, this Outsiders preview season and, and what you'd like to see. I'm going to extend that as well. Uh, all you need to do to get into the draw for this 100 episode giveaway is just drop a comment on YouTube and uh, throw a like on the video and just let us know what you also like about Arsenal Pass as well. Uh, or you can just answer Brendan's question. Any comments will go on the draw to win this, uh, this 100 episode giveaway. We've got this lovely Outsiders mat, you know, to celebrate the launch of Outsiders. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that me holding that up. Uh, we've also got a coal foil Benji, very appropriate for right now, and of course an Arsenal Pass resource token. So uh, make sure you leave a leave a like on the video, drop your uh, what you what you like about Arsenal Pass, or you can answer Brendan's great question about how you want the preview season to look. I feel like there should be a double entry if you submit a review. <laughs> Go on then, throw it away. How do we do that? Uh, we'll just look at well. Go to ratethispodcast.com dot slash Arsenal Pass, and we can track it through there. If you submitted a review already. 
Sorry, too bad. But if you want to submit a new review, you get two X the entry. We'll do it two. We'll do it two times. Wait, just to make it fair. Reviews are super, super important to our podcast, and honestly, have contributed to so much success over the recent history. So if you have submitted a review already, just know you have uh, you have our thanks from our, from our deepest hearts. Very true. And then we can bring back the Google reviews, which we haven't done in a, yes. in a long time. Brandon. Yes, and I have to. Yes, so I have to add an addendum onto that. There's the funnier review is the better. But five stars, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, we're almost done with the plugging. Last one, just big thanks to the Arsenal Pass patrons. And uh, up on Patreon, we've just dropped a new Patreon exclusive podcast, as well as a, a full Icelander deep dive on the deck that myself, Dan, and Dave played at the, the Calling Auckland. Uh, you can go and find our full cyborg guide. We dive into some matchups, including how we played the fatigue matchup, our full plan and that. Um, and yeah, the list and all the cyborg plans are there. I think Icelander's not going anywhere. I'm going to ask you once we get into the main topic, Brendan, about where you see you know, constructed because you did infamous, infamously make the claim that by the world championship, uh, by, sorry, I think you said by Baltimore even, Baltimore, that Icelander yeah. would uh, not be. It's not looking I, great I, on that one. Yeah, I didn't want to didn't <laughs> want to misquote you, but I remember it basically being negative about Icelander. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I could still get lucky, right? I could still get lucky. And then, I, but looking at current data. And Michael Hamilton will be there. It's not looking great. Hey, he could, he could switch off. He could switch off. You know, I might have to, might have to sigh off him into, you know, maybe picking a different deck because if he wins with Icelander, it's going to look really bad for me. Uh, all right no commander cookout this week as we are going to dive straight into our main topic on outsiders and class constructed first takes but if you do want to get your question for the commander cookout please do so we've definitely got some spots open for some great questions you can either email this to us at arsenalpassfab at gmail.com you can drop them in the youtube comments below maybe that could be your uh, your entry for the draw uh or if you're a part of the the patreon discord you can drop your question in the channel there you know any other way you want tweet at us whatever it might be brendan Mm-hmm. let's get into our first takes on outsiders and class constructor we're going to do this with a little bit of structure we're going to go through the heroes uh, or the classes i guess that are presented in the set and then just just i guess go through it that way but i guess first thing i want to say is you know these are me and brennan's first takes we've had a couple of days to look at maximum and digest the preview cards so far we've thought about you know what might happen in class constructor but this is very early first takes we're gonna keep this pretty high level we're not gonna we're gonna try and not go into too much detail although that is difficult with myself and Brennan for sure. Uh, and and just give sort of our impressions and what are the things that we're looking at to do with, you know, maybe some early testing with outsiders or decks that we want to build, things we're excited about, and just cards that look really, really interesting, either be for power level or for uh, build around reasons. So I don't know, Brendan, anything to say before we get into Assassin? No, I mean, I'm I'm very happy to see Assassin in the set, right? Finally flushing out the class kind of feels like where Illusionist was prior to Everfest. So the additional Assassin cards are very welcome at this point. You know, Arachne, it was a cool concept, but didn't really execute in terms of like constructed viability. And with the release of Outsiders, we could totally see that flipped on its head. It's going to be really interesting to see the, the, the clash of, or I guess the coming together of the dynasty assassin cards and the outsiders assassin cards because i guess first thing let's let's kind of talk about is like what looks good about assassin in the set and i mean the kind of first thing that stands out is like a lot of stealth right like that's the kind of thing that kind of you know you you see a lot of that keyword stealth on these assassin cards people aren't familiar with what stealth is yet uh stealth as alicester pointed out just nothing by itself but it is a keyword that allows you to do other things interact with it such as azuri who allows you to uh you know put uh, a was it a two cost card, two cost or less, yeah. um, face up and return a stealth card uh, to from the chain link on the bottom of the deck. So you can you can do that, of course, with the keyword stealth. But stealth itself doesn't actually do anything. Very quick to point out in uh, in Magic with Ninjutsu, the card goes back to hand, right? It does yeah. yes, so yeah. 
this is ninjutsu at the bottom of the deck. I I mean, I just got a I got a heuristic it into some other because the freaking text box on Azuri is just I mean, I did a short about Azuri and I think I had to read it like 10 times before I actually did it without stumbling a word. Freaking it was also novel. half the short was just you reading the text box. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at least. So, first question for you because this has been a Twitter discourse. We've had two camps. Azuri's broken and Azuri's terrible. Oh. Where do you stand? Is Azuri, is Azuri broken? So if I was a betting you? man, if I was a betting man, you made me pick, I would say Azuri's terrible. You would? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying it is. Yeah. I'm not saying it is. But if I had to fall on one side of that conversation, I think it's more likely to be more unplayable than broken. I think what you've got to remember about the Azuri ability is that it costs you two cards mm-hmm. to present a card. So even if you're putting something great with a, a really relevant on-head effect like a Commander Conquer, right? That's the card you stealth in and, and swap. You've used two cards for your Commander Conquer, and yes, it's you know it's harder to defend because your opponent doesn't know this is necessarily coming. But at the same time, if they wanted to trade two cards for your two cards, they could have just blocked the two cards. You know, like yeah, I think that it like so. If I have to pick between the two extremes, like is it broken or is it terrible? I definitely sound terrible. I think it will be playable, um, and I just don't see it being a top a top deck in class constructed with like this, the kind of stuff we see happening and with, you know, tier one decks right now, this just doesn't look like it can totally compete. And that hero ability, while it's adorable, just like you talked about, it's very, it's very expensive. I do like the design though. The design seems, it's very fun. And I particularly like the weapons. Like I, this is a kind of a new concept, but these nerve scalpels, orbitoclasts and spider spites mm-hmm. and scalp peelers like it's like a toolbox of things to you know potentially have on the sideboard i think that that's a whole nother conversation of like how what's the opportunity cost of like having multiple sets of weapons in your sideboards to try to deal with like what you're expecting and how many can you potentially add but the design itself is really really cool yeah let's talk about that and uh, one thing before we talk about the weapons i want to ask you is people have compared a lot basically this idea of Azuri at very minimum is going to be annoying. It's going to be something like a bit of a learning curve to how to play against it. And it reminds people a lot of Dorinthia is kind of some of the comparisons I've seen. You know, there's going to be a learning curve to how to defend it, how to play into it. Do you think those are like apt kind of comparisons? Definitely. I, that will definitely be a thing. And I think just like Dorinthia, there'll be players who swear by it, but never put up results, you know? Unless your name's Josh Lau, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, the, he's something else to say. Uh, what do we talk about these weapons? Because there is, like you say, it, it makes flavorful sense, right? Mm-hmm. An assassin with a lot of tools to get the job done. Uh, you talked about Nerve Scalpel. Uh, nerve Scalpel, we'll just quickly touch on the Nerve Scalpel is the one that gives um, reaction, uh, it's reaction cards, right? Your reaction cards minus one. Um, Orb- Orbitoclast is the one. one that gives uh, non-attack actions. And of course, uh, Spider's Bite gives attack actions. And then Scale Peeler is uh, Equipment minus one when they're defending so you've got a lot of different options right you can of course you can play one of each you can play a spider's bite and a nerve scalpel you could play in a um or bit of class and a, a scale a scale peeler whatever you uh, want to do and i think you like you say depending on the matchup you you might play four different daggers or maybe even five different daggers in your 80 card loadout yeah, I think of the the three new ones we got, Orbiter Class is the best one, giving non-attack actions minus one while defending. Mm-hmm. It's just significant when you're playing against a deck that's maybe trying to defend you out, right? And they might have a higher density of non-attack actions. I mean, Spider's Bite already uh, affecting those attack actions is a very, very good weapon for Assassin. I think that Nerf Scalpel with the reactions and Scale Peeler with equipment, just not nearly as good. But maybe Scale Peeler in something like Blitz could be more effective, right? Where... 
that that armor kind of has a higher level of efficacy because of lower life totals in condensed games. The only thing I think about scale peeler is the kind of is it a bit of a nombo with like the piercing in terms of you know people are more likely to commit that to defense equipment mm. just see out that scale peeler to avoid but whereas like nerve scalpel is one that i actually see could be a good sideboard option into you know these potential heavy defensive decks i mean riptide comes to mind right which we'll, we'll talk about so yeah I, I do agree though i think like orbit orbit class like you say is like the one that kind of stands out yeah definitely um what about i guess in terms of you know some of the the equipment um of course we've got this the red back shroud do you think that's like a nice compliment to what we've already seen with black tech whisperers and um, no, and the headpiece not really <laughs> i think that so i'm actually kind of going off of something i saw on twitter i haven't haven't verified the source or really investigated myself but from what i understand there's actually not very many ways to create the two silver tokens that you would mm. be destroying in order to regenerate this or get it back so it's it's fine right are you in the same boat or I was surprised that we haven't seen more ways to create currency in this set. Yeah. You know, particularly silver. Um, and so I guess the ways that you're doing it is, is contract, right? Like, and there's no contract cards in the set. So you're, you're, what you're getting access to from a contract standpoint is not changing. What's changing is your potential payoff is kind of how it looks like for, uh, for some of these assassins. But the setup in the form of the contract isn't, isn't what you're going to get from this. So it, it really puts, I guess, arachne in particular in an interesting situation where how different is the deck going to look like it looks like you're going to get some definite upgrades you know there's some really interesting attack action uh, attack reaction sorry there's these these new weapon opportunities of course and um yeah but you know the stealth cards aren't particularly helpful for uh for arachne so yeah i'm interested to see yeah i could be wrong i mean you're right it depends it depends on contract and how but you just have to compare this against Tunic, right? And it has to be able to beat Tunic on sort of a turn-by-turn value. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're able, I don't know, if you're able to generate twice or regenerate it once in four turns and the game is five turns long, then yeah, it's better than Tunic and you should be playing it. Um, but I think it's it's pretty niche, to be honest, considering that Tunic is doing something somewhat similar and is actually, yeah. you know, it doesn't affect only attack reactions in terms of reducing cost. It gives you just a sort of a flat resource. Yeah, I'm going to default to I don't really have so much opinion on Rebecca Shroud just yet. Um, it doesn't seem like you're going to get the, you know, if are you going to get value every two turns from this to make it better than Tunic, like Renan's saying? I, I don't see that happening. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, it does have Battle Worn, which is relevant. Why don't we talk about just some of the cards that like are really interesting to us? Because, we, you know, we could spend ages, we could spend a whole podcast just talking about Assassin and what Arachne could look like, what Azuri could look like. So... Um, you know, I think just high level, my kind of takeaway from Arachne is that the it's not going to change too much, get some upgrades, which is good. And that could be enough to to propel it into a really competitive deck. Um, Azuri is going to be a really interesting one, how people build that. Like we talked about the comparisons to Dorinthia, how you use your stealth cards, what are the cards that you're putting into play. Um, you know, there's some really interesting cards like Shakedown, if, if yes. you haven't seen that, that's the Azuri specialization. The card looks very powerful, right? Um, and attack reactions are going to be really important to the class as a whole and we get some really new and exciting attack reactions i think um you know razor's edge of course seems to be like the kind of marquee one that's the zero for three if it has stealth it gets plus three um and then you have some payoffs as well from my standpoint that look really good like sneak attack to me is a card that looks really exciting you, mm-hmm. you come with this yes it costs two but i think in the the structure of what we've seen with assassin an attack that costs two actually is it's fine um and potential you know you play a, a reaction on that you're looking at pushing seven damage over the top of how your opponent's defended. That, that card looks quite exciting to me. 
Yes. <laughs> Honestly, when I was looking at sneak attack, I was really thinking about limited um, as well. Cause yeah. like uh, sneak attack, <laughs> but in constructed, this is still very powerful. We're talking about two for seven shakedown. I think it's just, it seems to be by and far the best card that we've seen um, for assassin. And of course this is very specialization, but this is like, is this better than command and conquer is kind of my question. This two for six, where when it hits, you're able to, um, you know, choose red, yellow, or blue, and they banish one of those cards. And this card is pure fright, like is really frightening if you haven't, haven't seen what it is. So it's a two cost, uh, six attack for three, and it's a zero specialization. And it says if you've played or activated an attack reaction in this chain link, Shakedown has when this hits a hero, choose red, yellow, blue, they reveal their hand, banish a card of the chosen color. Um, based on what your opponent's playing, you're going to be able to always hit this if they keep cards in hand. So is it better than Command and Conquer? I mean, it's important to remember Azuri's ability is an attack reaction. So if you swap this in with Azuri and it hits, like you've, 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 the claws you're going to be able to uh trigger this effect so you get a card from hand um you think people are going to I mean, pummel this card oh definitely people <laughs> are definitely playing pummel i've already seen Just, people on twitter talking about pummel and azuri like nine of pummel and azuri delete your like hand that. is like the effective text of that yeah because you don't even need to like so some of the things i saw people talking about was like oh because you don't have to pay the cost right so you you stealth the card that's two two cards and then you pitch your pummel and you pay for the frostbite or whatever and i was like so it's four cards for 10 damage and you take a card from the hand and if you've got a non-hit effect i mean it's pretty relevant like it's interesting um i think shakedown in the context of azuri is probably you know a card you're more excited about than command and conquer yeah i think so well, you can play defense reactions to shakedown mm. but yeah Other I, cards. yeah i mean i'm just thinking about the current meta it does seem like defense reactions are less than yeah so it's it's good for sure what about other cards i mean i'm really interested you know we've got these cards that are red line only at rare with spike with blood rot uh spike with frailty spike with inertia these attack reactions i mean those are cards that look very interesting i mean obviously they only target cards of stealth so it's not an arachne necessarily i mean arachne could choose to play some of these cards of stealth i i don't know what it might look like that is something i would look like to investigate is like can you play some of these cards with um with stealth in arachne to get the beneficial abilities because like we say stealth is not a keyword that does anything in and of itself but it enables other things right so maybe playing some of these stealth attacks enables you to play spike with frailty or spike with blood rod and have these really high reaction decks and things like that but of course those you know those don't they're a bit of a nombo with your uh with your contract cards so i i can you play both lanes do you have to choose a lane that's going to be interesting to see the fact these block for three is like pretty good to be honest it's really good yeah and i think the spike with blood rod is generally the best one because spike with inertia is like very conditional and frailty um it's going to be better if you know your opponent potentially has like two weapons and their weapons have go again where with blood rod it's kind of just like a one for five most of the time yes i i really like inertia as a token i think <clears throat> being able to deny people the ability to arsenal or to you know like hold and set up yeah it doesn't have like it's not as i get what you're saying you're saying like one for five like it's a lot more um uh tangible right like it's going to take a card from your opponent's hand or it's going to deal with two damage that's really tangible but the inertia is a lot less tangible it's hard to understand exactly what that value of that token is going to be but sometimes it's going to be really really high like it's going to sure. force your opponent to play in completely different ways it's going to you know think about like crown of seeds decks even like even that's like value added so it's i do think inertia is potentially better than it first appears yeah i think inertia is more conditional on the hero you're playing against where blood rots yep. i guess kind of more like just generally good against everything but yeah inertia i mean i mean if you want to just talk about it, i mean specifically you're playing something icelander inertia is 
super freaking annoying, dude. Like, I mean, this card is going to make you not want to... I honestly think that I will not want to play Icelander when I'm facing this kind of deck. Yeah, unless you're playing against an Azuri who's, you know, uh, one... I, saw, I don't know if you saw the meme, but it's like, um, here comes my Command and Conquer or my Shakedown stealth, and it's like that versus like one little Frostbite. <laughs> yeah. It's quite funny. Of course, the Frostbite token does make it quite awkward to, uh, if, you know, you can't you can't uh, activate Azuri's attack reaction if there's a there's a frostbite. I mean, you can, but you got to pay for it. Yeah, pay for so, it. Uh, yeah. That that does sort of make the card now worth three, which is tough. Um, any other cards specifically in Assassin that you kind of want to touch on? I mean, there are so many of these stealth cards, which is great. I mean, I'm so excited, super excited to talk about these four limited in particular. I think there's definitely going to be cards that come out during um, sort of the constructed season. We talk about like Spreading Plague is a really interesting card in particular. Uh, I just don't know exactly what that's going to look like just yet i need to sort of go and look at look at assassin a bit more yeah honestly sneak attack was definitely the most interesting one for me um outside of that i did like prowl a bit but i think i was evaluating that more in a limited context <laughs> i was like okay we've go again we're getting something plus one great value um but other than that yeah i'm not i'm not too sure you talked about razor's edge sort of the this is going to be definitely a staple in this deck right this zero for three giving self you know self attack plus three to def- at a attack reaction and the fact that like these attack reactions block for three is just super powerful <laughs> yep i'm excited to play with prow and so uh, a solitary confinement looks super fun i think that's the hero i'm most excited to play for in, sure yeah in limited <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, honestly, the freaking ninja cards are ridiculous, which yeah, we'll get too. into. <laughs> Before we do that, let's talk a little bit about um, hybrid cards for Assassin. So any of these hybrid cards that can be played in Assassin. Now there is Assassin has the both prongs of the hybrid cards. They have the Assassin Ninja and the Assassin Ranger cards. Uh, first card, I mean, I'm going to point out is Death Touch. That card looks pretty yep. ridiculous. It's uh, a six attack. And Death Touch can't be played from hand, and it says when this hits a hero, create a frailty, inertia, or blood uh, blood rot pox token under their control, and it costs one defense for two. That first line of text is irrelevant. This Death Touch can't be played from hand. (laughs) Just put it in your arsenal, play it next turn. It's still ridiculous. It's still one for potentially eight plus. You know, like that is... Yes, great off to Nick. <laughs> Hayden and I were, Hayden asked me, he's like, what do you think the pack one pick one is? And I didn't know it off the top, like the name. And I was like, oh, the one for six, uh, like the Ranger one for six. But I meant the, the dual class. Like this card is so freaking good. I know we're talking about constructed, but it extends to constructed. Like this is one for six. You can be playing this off tunic and you're right. Like you're getting a one for eight often here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think even like, I think all the colors are relevant because the break points. So like, I think blue is particularly good as well because it's a one for like, four two cards for four it has a break point and if you're able to use those other two resources like i don't know say for instance attacking with your weapon <laughs> um you know you come in with your weapon you you hit now your opponent's attack actions defend for one less and all of a sudden you've got this card that's coming in for six and they need to block with three cards to stop it it feels feels pretty good like you're trading your two cards for three cards uh, at minimum and you know if you're able to attack reaction this or whatever it might be get this over the line just the damage threatened is, is so high. So th- this card looks really exciting in both uh, Assassin and, and I think Ranger, which we're about to talk about. Yeah, imagine you dagger them, uh, make their reactions, defend for one less, and then you blue death touch them and their sync blows and fade for scenes and all of those just do not work. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty reasonable. Um, what about, I don't know, have you had any thoughts about these codexes and what that might look like in, in Assassin? Um, I'm trying to think about which one... 
I like the most. I think it's the Codex of Frailty. Each hero puts an yeah. attack action card from their graveyard face down in their arsenal. Each hero that does discards a card. Um, yeah, so you just get to pick your best card out of your graveyard. That's pretty freaking good. Yeah, so like one of the, you know, like Death Touch, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> so Codex of, you know, you've got one card in hand. It's your Codex of Frailty. You play your Codex of Frailty. You put your Death Touch in your arsenal with your floating resource or your tunic or whatever. You play the Death Touch out and then you get your Ponder token and you get to arsenal something for in a turn. Like, Codex of Frailty seems really strong to me. Um, that's obviously like a, a really good case for it. But also at the same time, it's a yellow that you can pitch. You know what I mean? Like it's not, I think these these are purposely been printed at yellow for these, this flexibility of the power and uh, and pitch. Imagine if they were blue, they'd be... Yeah, so it would be Boston. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I think they were printed at yellow because if they were blues, they'd be freaking Boston. If they were reds, you know, I mean, they could have been printed at reds. I think that yellow is being generous with how powerful something like Codex of Frailty is. Yeah. And I mean, even like Blood Rod, like I can see, you know, the similar situation. Okay, I put my, you know, I put my um, Death Touch into my arsenal and then I play it and I pass the turn with my Ponder token. My opponent has a Blood So I'm upper card and my opponent's got Blood Rod token. Upper card, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's replacing the Codex for a Blood Rod token. But also I get to enable something like Death Touch or some of the other, you know, an arrow or whatever it is in, in Ranger. Like this is an interesting sort of way of doing reload that isn't reload as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Could go on about these cards, but they're really interesting. Um, I mean, the one that's going to come out a lot that people are going to talk about, I want to quickly touch on, uh, Brendan, is Toxicity, uh, because it's it's as effectively representing mm-hmm. a zero for five, which is significantly above rate on cards in this game. Like, what do you kind of take? Obviously, there's, you know, it has to hit, but what do you kind of take away on Toxicity? So this is definitely a new era or area of design. Um, but yeah, this is not the same thing as zero for five. Zero for five is completely unconditional, right? Um this is conditional on hit and that's like it's a big deal to be honest like yeah. basically this card can be zero for freaking zero <laughs> if you think it's blocked that that's a big deal it blocks for two um and yeah that's important so the best use case of this is you're giving something dominate and it's guaranteed to get through and now the opponent is getting zero for five i think that's the use case we're going to see it in um in terms of like the design of a hero just losing five life i'm not sure if it's gonna like if it is good enough to be played, it might be really frustrating. <laughs> so yeah, so toxicity. Just to, because we aren't throwing these cards on screen, uh, it's a zero for a zero cost assassin ranger action at rare defense for two. Um, uh, it's at red, yellow, and blue, but we're looking at red. And it says the next assassin or ranger attack action card you play this turn gains when this hits a hero, they lose five life. Yellow's four, blue's three. And I think the thing. So I agree, right? It's really conditional, but if it does hit. You know, it is a zero for five, which is, you know, a one card for five, which is huge. But at the same time, I think you can compare this to, I mean, Snatch is a zero for four plus. Mm-hmm. Usually people value it around six, right? The card is usually about two, 2.53. And then you could look at something like, um, you know, like on hit effects with uh, what's the arrow that deals an extra damage. That's a, effectively a zero for five. The one you lose one life that hits um, Searing Shot. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is other comparisons, I think, to make this. People were comparing this to... Movrian Skies, and my issue with comparing this to anything like Movrian Skies is Movrian Skies enables you to do certain strategies. Enables yeah. go, it gives you attack go again, enables strategies, it turns on your hero ability. Um, so I think a more really look at this comparative to a card like um, I'm really bad on card names, Sabrina. I mean, looking at so much outsiders, I've forgotten old card names. Uh, the zero for four rune chance, Revelant Rune Blood. You know, Revelant Rune Blood with Viscerize Hero ability is zero for five, right? But you know, you don't have to hit. It just makes the damage. So toxicity, I think, on first glance looked 
like it could be a bit of a problem but I, you know i think it, you have to really have to push it through so you have to work to make this card good i just want to point that out that was like two or three times you forgot the card name and then you asked me and then while asking me you just remind you just remember it <laughs> well because i just remembered that i asked you and that was that was a mistake <laughs> i was like i'm trying to i'm like thinking about like should i tell my name you're just like oh yeah staring shot <laughs> i'm just biding time i'm just biding my time <laughs> sandbagging me <laughs> uh sorry i apologize anything else you want to talk about before we move on to talk about ranger no, I, I just don't think that, yeah, I mean, toxicity is not the same thing as uh, as Modern Skies. Like, Modern Skies does, like, infinitely more things in terms of Rune Blade. You're turning on your weapon, um, you know, you're you're getting go again. I mean, it's just way, way, way different. But I do think that toxicity is a dangerous card in terms of design. Like, I'm not sure if we're going to see a lot more of this effect, and I think this is kind of a, uh, we're going to be dipping our toes in the water with this lose X life thing. Yeah, I think pushing to a one card for five, no matter how conditional it is, is a design space that I think they'll be very careful around. Um, and like I said, we've, we've kind of seen it before. It's not it's not new. Like zero for five was shown with searing shot very early on, but conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your first kind of take on 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 Ranger? I mean, I had you know I had been claiming to everyone that I was now a Riptide main when I saw just Riptide for the first time, even before I knew what the hero ability was. I'll be honest, Brendan, I'm not sure I'll be a Riptide main. Yeah, doesn't look like your kind of deck, <laughs> to be honest. What do I think about Ranger? Well, the Quivers are absolute free rolls, and that's a huge buff to Ranger. And I don't think that that can be understated at all. Let's talk about those. So we now have a new type of equipment, Quiver. Um, you know, these don't take up, well, they, they do take up an equipment zone, but a bows are two-handed anyway, so you were never using that as a, as a Ranger if you were playing a bow. There's some implications if you're not playing bow, but then why the heck are you holding a quiver? You know, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Uh, but of course, we have Quiver of the Rustling Leaves, which is the Majestic. We have Crow's Nest, and we have Driftwood Quiver, the last two being the commons. Um, each of those, Crow's Nest being a Zaley specialization, Driftwood Quiver being a Riptide specialization. And yeah, like you say, they're just, they're just free extra pieces that Rangers didn't have before. Um, if you haven't seen these, Rustling Leaves is a instant cost three. Um, so it starts in play, of course, because equipment, you destroy it. Reveal the top card of your... Actually, you don't... Yeah, you do destroy it after. So instant mm-hmm. three cast, reveal the top card of your deck. If it's an arrow, put it face up into your arsenal and destroy Quiver of the Rusting Leaves. Like, that's just a one-time hit. That's something Ranger didn't have previously, right? Yeah, and I think that one's decent, right? But I think Quiver of Abyssal Depths, the legendary, which says instant three, destroy Quiver of Abyssal Depths, shuffle up to three arrows, <clears throat> your three best cards, with different names from your graveyard into your deck. I mean, the fact that it says different names is really important. If it didn't do that, it, I mean, discard. Rewritten the ledger, please. Yeah, it would be <laughs> busted. But it still is super good, and it's really good against something that Ranger has traditionally struggled against, which has been more defensive decks and decks to try to fatigue it out. Yeah, I completely forgot about the legendary, I'll be honest, because I was looking at the next line down. Um, I mean, I, I remembered that it was there, but I just forgot that, you know, we're getting a legendary quiver. It's cool. I, I like it. Also, the art on these quivers is dope. I'm a it's big fan of the art. Honestly, the art of the most of the set, it does feel like a step up. It's very, very good. It feels like, um, I mean, it just it just brings you into Outsiders and the Pits, I think, in a, in a really cool way, which I'm, I'm super excited about for, like, cracking these cards at pre-release and just, like, you know, looking at these cards and, and feeling you know like i'm like i'm there playing in the pits yeah so talk to me about riptide what what kind of deck not unlimited right so unconstructed what kind of what kind of deck do you think riptide is is it a like controly fatigue deck because if you look at those traps they're very disruptive um it's weird because like it's kind of a non-bow to be defending a lot 
but then also by doing so you are dealing one damage to your opponent via Riptide's ability, which is whenever a trap you control triggers, deal one damage to the attacking hero. Like, do you think Riptide's a mid-range deck or, like, full kind of control defend? Also, it's 19 health, by the way. Very important to note. <laughs> yeah, 19 and 38. 38 and class constructed. Um, so the, the kind of problem I have with Riptide in terms of what does this deck look like. So I think my first take is, you know, if I want to play defense reactions and, you know, traps to trigger Riptide's ability, get the value out of Riptide's ability, the second the second text on Riptide's ability, then I think trying to do a hybrid approach is terrible. Like, it's just time after time, this game has shown that playing a significant number of defense reactions and attacks is not particularly good. A lot of, like, Guardian did that early on and got really caught up with, <clears throat> you know, these kind of, like, awkward hands and it was difficult to execute and that was with a, a class that had a really good weapon that it could dump resources into that had a hero ability that could dump resources into and had like threatening attacks for second cycle and i don't think riptide has that as much so i think that second line of text makes you want to really play a heavily defensive deck with a lot of traps to trigger this ability on the flip side of that like how do you how do you win the game and that's kind of been i think what people have said so far people i know have been like jumping on talishar and booting up some riptide and being like i don't know how you win games yeah so what he's is the first? Sorry, he's also printed in a set that has is like very anti fatigue. Like there's like even generic anti fatigue deck cards in this in this set. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like it, it does look like. I, I just want to quickly tangent here. It does look like um, Legendary Studios is making a a concentrated effort to have primary strategy fatigue not be a thing in modern day Flesh and Blood. Yeah, yeah, and well, at least ways to combat said, it, right? Yeah, you, you primary strategy being the key word there too. Yeah, if you're going to print Warhorn, let's give us, you know, the quiver of a bristle death. Yeah. Um, but, like, rip, so the first line of text is what really interests me about Riptide, which is whenever you play a card from hand, you may put a card from your hand face down into your arsenal. This feels like a, a really abusable ability, I think, a way that you can... So, I yeah, there's these traps, and those are great, and I think those are going to be really relevant. Like, the blue traps, really good, right? Like, they're blues, they're resources, and then you can use them as abilities. So... I think the way that I would look to build Riptide initially is to really build around that first line of the text. Whenever you play a card from hand, um, you may put a card from your hand face down into your arsenal. Look at cards like Death Touch. Look at arrows. Uh, look at this hybrid kind of attack action and um, arrow attack action sort of build and really utilize that along with, um, I, I guess you're probably playing his uh, his bow, but maybe you're just playing Death Dealer, not sure. Mm. And looking at this kind of route for playing Riptide, and it probably will end up being a little bit more mid-rangey than i would like but i think it's going to be i would be really proactive with how i look to build riptide straight away at least i do want to talk about barb castaway which is the bow it says uh, it's a ranger bow two-handed it's can play be played with any ranger it says once per turn instant one resource you may put an arrow card from your hand face down or sorry face up into so, your arsenal and then has another once per turn instant one resource you may put a face down arrow in your arsenal face up if you do put an aim counter on it we did see a lot of aim counter stuff come out recently and it didn't really take do you think that this helps facilitate that um like that suite of ranger cards 100 <laughs> percent. i think the problem i have with like sandscale is what you had to do to sort of set it up and death dealer being so strong but i think this ability to basically arsenal cards use riptide's ability which is way more interesting to me um well like have a card face down your arsenal and turn it face up to get the aim counter to start the turn things like that I think is there's a lot more play with it and to pay one to get the aim counter basically because all these new cards you've seen the aim counter is like a slight buff it's like gets plus one so you're paying one resource to get like a plus one attack like that feels like a pretty good return so if you can find a way to make it consistent to make it not too awkward with how you're playing 
Riptide or any other ranger and being able to use Barb Castaway, I think it's going to be pretty good. I think the question just comes back to, is it good enough to be better than like Death Dealer or, you know, Lexi has Voltaire, which is just such a crazy, crazy bow. So is Barb Castaway going to be more of a Riptide and maybe some sort of Azalea build thing? Yeah, and our aim counter is worth an entire resource. And it's it's not even that. It's not even, you also have to jump to the hoop of flipping the face down arrow face up. Uh, hey, now I want to ask you about Trenches Sucking Treasure, which is a legendary ranger, ranger equipment chest with one defense blade break it says once per turn instant put a face down card from your arsenal on the bottom of your deck gain one resource and has arcane barrier one i think this card is really good yeah it is um is it it's interesting because you know you're giving up a card for a resource and is that what you want to be doing you know that's, that's i, I think so if you're playing something like oh like, yeah let's look at azalea right let's look at like traditional azalea sometimes can have trouble utilizing every single card in his hand because it doesn't have a lot of access to Gogan and it offsets this with, you know, the non-attack actions that you try to pump your big arrow with. I think that this this can kind of help that deck when it gets a bit clunky, right? And you're gaining, you're kind of free-rolling a resource off your arsenal card. I'm not, like, you're not going to want to put your arsenal card in the bottom of your deck every single time, of course, but because you're, like, refueling with something like Death Dealer, like, I think this card is really, really, really good. Yeah, it's going to come down to how about like sort of the what this enables you to do from a consistency standpoint, as opposed to what this does from like a like a card for resource is a bad trade, right? Trading a card for one resource is a bad, effectively a bad trade. But as time and time again with flesh and blood, things that are, are really multiple, things that are really like flexible and can offer you consistency are powerful. So that's kind of to your point, I think where the opportunities are with the card like Trench. Um, it's a bit of a, again, bit of a, a nombo with a card like Skullbone Crosswrap uh, because you can't flip that up, opt, and then put this card to the bottom. This card has to be face down with, with Trench, so it looks more appealing with you know New Horizon or something. Yeah, put uh, put a face down card from your arse. So does it work well with New Horizons? Uh, yeah, well, New Horizons, you can put the second card, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how good Trench really is. I think time and time again with ranger the complication is like hoops like you said before you know jumping through hoops and, and trench looks like another one where you do have to jump through a bit of a hoop so is it at the end of the day going to be better than just playing tunic not not sure we'll see mm, i think if i had to like gamble on a card in outsiders as like kind of a breakout card this is probably this would be like this is my my wild card right here you know like it's not like oh my god this is busted like death touch or something like that but it looks I think this could be incredibly good, to be honest. I think you could be gaining a resource almost every single turn and maybe getting, you know, turboing through your deck. You can basically put indiscriminately put a card in your arsenal because you're going to be cashing in for a resource. Now you're refueling with that dealer and et cetera, et cetera. Compare it to Crown of Seeds. That's the only thing I'll say. Mm. <laughs> Just compare it to Crown of Seeds. Yeah, you could be right. <clears throat> we'll definitely see. Why don't, why don't we talk about, um, let's talk about some traps and let's talk about after that some of these cards that give the buffs. What are your kind of takes on the new traps we've seen? Like, do you think that uh, my kind of assessment of Riptide is maybe a bit, bit more online in terms of these traps will go in your deck, but it's not going to be the focus of the thing? Or do you actually think that you focus on that second sort of text and you really focus on these blue legendary traps, the, the tar pit trap, you bring the traps in from Crucible mm. um, of War? Like, what do you think it looks like? Yeah, it's tough. Like, Riptide is actually pretty hard for me to evaluate from, like, 10,000 feet, and it does actually look just a little bit bad, <laughs> um, to be honest. Like, the thing is, is, like, the most powerful traps are Riptide specialization. Like, I would love to play some of these traps in, like, an Azalea deck or a Lexi deck and use them as, like, sort of a mid-range blue. So it's, like, 
the payoff for playing Riptide, I think, is having access to these cards more than it is, it is his hero ability, to be honest. So here's a question for you. How, how good is, say, Azalea's hero ability? Um, honestly, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty okay, good. Fair yeah, because like if you're looking at cards like Red in the Ledger, if you if you presented a Red in the Ledger to an aggro deck, they would block it like every single time, right? But the reason that that thing hits is because you're able to give it dominate. I guess my, my point I'm trying to get to is is and I do agree. Like I think Azalea's ability is, is good. I do agree. But you could effectively play an Azalea deck in a Riptide shell, play these specializations and get the that kind of relevancy for in-game purposes of that last kind of line text. Like a blue that turns into a defense reaction that blocks the three and has relevant text is really powerful. There's a reason these are legendary. Um, it's a good point. I think you might be right there, actually. Like if you if you think about it, like Azalea is hitting with nasty on hit triggers via the dominate. But honestly, if you're just presenting threats and ripping, you know, two to three cards out of your out of your opponent, say you're playing Azalea or Riptide against an aggro deck, like that's good enough. So if you have the additional the additional bonus of having these kind of cards in your deck, yeah, maybe it is a better Azalea deck. You do lose the Azalea specialization cards, which are also <laughs> pretty freaking good. So, but it's a great point. I think that that's that's like very valid. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's something that it's just the way I would look at Riptide to start with. And, and to be honest, I think Azalea looks pretty good. Why don't we talk about some of the cards that I think is you know the reason for this. And that's some of these pumps that Azalea is, is going to get as well as, of course, some of the new arrows. But like, why don't we start with some of these these like pump spells that have on-hit effects. So we've got these, um, like we did with Assassin, we've got these red line sort of zero for threes effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. They were attack reactions in Assassin now for Ranger there. Uh, non-attack actions so lace with blood rod is one this is a zero cost uh, red ranger action at rare that says your next arrow attack this turn gets plus three attack and when this hits create a blood rot pox token under their control representing a zero for five like we talked about and if that has dominate with azalea's ability given that arrow that seems pretty good yeah i think these are great i think this is uh you absolutely this is what that deck kind of wanted more of you know definitely because you see uh, some of the azalea decks now i think some of them even play like freaking nimbleism and stuff just mm-hmm. to try to keep pumping those arrows. And this is just way more effective than that. Because, yeah, this is effectively 0-5. And then you have Lace with Inertia, which is also fantastic. So I think it's a... User cards are really, really good. Yeah, I mean, even Lace with Frailty, right? Like, you come into this go-wide aggro <laughs> oh, deck, yeah. you pump a go-tool dominate arrow, and it's like, cool, you can block with one of those, uh, you know, attacks if you want. But then your weapon's getting minus one. Your attack action you want to play from Arsenal's getting minus one. Like, I think Frailty does seem like the weakest. but It is, yeah. You know, you can all s- of these are... But you can see that frailty is the weakest actually via the codex design because codex of frailty has by far the most powerful effect, um, in my opinion, over blood rot and inertia. Good, good call out actually. Any of these arrows pique your interest outside of you know the aim counter sort of ability? Um, I know there's the zero for three with go again. If you have uh, an aim counter, it gets plus one or sky shot. That was. Oh, it's it called Falcon Wing, um, Falcon Wing. and it doesn't, that one actually doesn't impress me that much, to be honest, it, because of things like Rain Razors exist, it just seems like way worse than Rain Razors. Um, yeah, I mean, Rain I'm look- Razors? Right, Rain Razors, no, yeah. uh, not Rain Razors, you know what I'm talking about, the the one that comes back to your hand, the zero for four. Oh, Endless Arrow. Endless Arrow. I guess this has Gogan, so it's a different effect. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's... Tough. maybe zero for, maybe like head jab with because i don't think the aim counter thing is it doesn't it doesn't seem like you would pay or you would jump through the hoop of getting an aim counter for just a single point of damage so maybe the zero for three itself is good enough it i don't know 
It looks like a limited cow to me. I'll be honest okay. with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> zero for three, go again, limited. We all know that's good. Uh, sedation shot is interesting. This is the one for five. Um, and it's when it hits a hero, create an inertia token under the control. Mm-hmm. That one looks interesting to me, specifically for, I think, Rangers trying to deal with playing to five card hand decks. I think, you know, a one for five is it's already on rate and then has this ability that uh, create an inertia token if it hits. And then it also, if you have an aim count, it gets plus one. Um, I mean, look, there's, there's so many interesting, I think, arrows to to look at. Um, Woodenmaker is another one as well. Although, uh, yeah, I mean, this, the defense reaction can't be played to Woodenmaker's chain link. That's, that's potentially interesting. I think I'm I'm excited to look at Azalea, and I think basically the way I'm going to look at it is definitely very much go tall. I'm going to look at utilizing uh, these lace with cards, and um, that's probably where I'm going to start, at least. Widowmaker is by far the most interesting one to me, to answer your question. This like barraging beatdown effect for a one for seven, super good. Yeah, someone pointed this out to me very quickly, though, is that uh, it does say defended by fewer than two cards. It doesn't say non-equipment cards. Poo. Yeah, you're right. So you know, block that, with that's your, way uh, different. That's way different than <laughs> that might sound. That might sound like a, a small, a small content, like a, I don't know what you would call it, but yeah, a small difference. But that that's huge, actually. Um, that yeah. makes Widowmaker way worse. <laughs> I did not notice that. The last one I want to shout out is um, Spire Sniping. This is the one for five mm-hmm. uh, Ranger action arrow attack, and it says when Spire Sniping is put or turned face up into an arsenal, look at the top two cards of your deck and put them back in any order. I think that's really interesting with Azalea's ability, set up a, a potential dominate sort of push. Um, yeah, but that card is another one that I'm going to be definitely looking at if I'm looking at Azalea. Mm. A lot of competition for arrows now. Uh, what about just quickly on, I guess, Ranger, any of these hybrid cards that look interesting for Ranger? I mean, I'll come back to Death Touch again. I think that card looks very, very interesting. I mean, Toxicity, if you're able to push the dominate, you know, obviously it doesn't give plus to attack. So I'm more interested in a card like uh, Lace with Blood, uh, Blood Rot Pox, but Toxicity could be, this is where I think you're going to look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not much to say for me on terms of the uh, like what we of what we haven't already said for the uh, the hybrid cards. Cool. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, Virulent touch, as people call it, the post Malone card. <laughs> I don't think that's particularly of interest. Um, we do have these red line traps as well. So maybe if you are going trap heavy, these are going to be of interest. But these these look a lot less exciting to me, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm happy to finally get a confirmation with the well, what seems like confirmation of the Traparata. The traps were were bad all along, and that we weren't just incorrect as a community. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on to to Ninja because I know you're bursting at the seams to talk about Katsu. You're a big big Katsu fan. First of all, uh, are you happy that we we get the reprints? I mean, we talked about it last week. We were pretty certain that we we're going to see Head Jab and Surging Strike. They are confirmed. And Twin Twisters, they are in the set. Am I happy we're getting the reprints? Not for like the sake of acquiring the cards but for the sake of limited yeah for sure i mean come to fight is also in the set which is a freaking crazy limited card um and yeah i mean ravenous rebel as well but i do think that ninja does seem to be it's hard to say that ninja is the biggest winner because ranger does get things like death touch and like the quivers like quivers are just strict upgrades but like i was looking for a design for a ninja specifically that didn't just feel like a side grade because I feel like that's what's been plaguing Katsu. Yep. And I do think that this set has executed well and has drastically reduced some of the variants that you would experience while playing something like Katsu, which makes it makes it more attractive to me, to be honest. Yep, I am very excited about Katsu. I have a question for you, and it's, is Katsu now the best aggro deck in Flesh and Blood? I think it's very possible. 
I think it's very, very possible. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say at this point, yeah. but it's it it's very resilient to fatigue, right? And that's <clears throat> quite good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It looks consistent, which is also very important for the qualifications yeah. of the best agro deck. I think so. Let's go through some of these lines because as as per when we get to Katsu, we get lines, uh, you know, kick lines, punch lines, whatever it is. But we've got, like you say, it's not side grades this time. It is like upgrades and additions to some pretty interesting effects. I think so. Let's talk about, um, I guess, the, the, the Surging Strike line. So traditionally, Surging Strike, Gust Wave, McGinty Release, Lord of Wind. Uh, you know, it can be a little bit unexciting at times, uh, especially because the, the damage output is not particularly that high once you get to Lord of Wind. It's more about the threat of activation. But now we get uh, Descendant Gust Wave, which is mm-hmm. a, it read as a one for three. Uh, it does have a cycle. And it says combo. If Surging Strike was the last attack, this combat chain, this costs one less to play and it has plus two. So... A zero for five if this comes up after a surging strike. That's a pretty good return rate. It reminds me of obviously uh, Rising Neath Rust. It's the same return rate if you've played surging strike. Yeah, I actually have a diagram here for like all the different combo lines oh, yeah, now. Cool. Um, but yeah, the sudden gust wave into bonds of ancestry into dishonor, and you can also go surging strike into whelming gust wave into Mugenshi mm-hmm. into bonds of industry. Or sorry, or yeah, I think it's Mugenshi into bonds of industry into dishonor. But um. Or it's it's whelming into bonds into dishonor. Yes. I believe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think? Let's yeah, let's talk about that. bonds of ancestry. This card is super. I mean, we talked about it when we saw the preview, but now with the context of this, um, the new gust wave and how powerful that looks. You know, bonds of ancestry looks very exciting. You know, if you haven't seen this already, go and check out. There's a lot of text on this card, but effectively, it's a, it's a two for four uh, at red. But if uh, a card with gust wave name was the last card on the combat chain, it costs two less. It has go again. And when this attacks, you may banish a card with combo from your graveyard. If you do, search your deck for a card with the same name, banish it, and then shuffle. You may play at this combat chain. So, you know, let's say you've already got a Dishonor in your uh, graveyard. Obviously, you go get a, a Dishonor. Mm-hmm. But you could even just go and get, like, um, you know, a a red Foster Fist or something, you know, from your deck. If you've got a blue Foster Fist in your graveyard, banish the blue, go get the red, and it's a 0 for 4. You've just added, you've just literally, Bonds of Ancestry becomes... A zero for for uh, four with go again that also goes and gets you a zero for four. This card is busted. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's busted. Like it's it's beyond good to be honest. Like it's not when it hits either. It's when it attacks. And I love how it says a card with gust wave. It's not even that freaking specific. Like no, no, no. It can be descendant gust wave. So the line now. Okay, you have a blue in your hand. Come in with your Kadachi. You play your surging strike. So you're at, you're at two cards so far. You play your descendant gust wave. You're at three cards for ten damage. You play your Bonds of Ancestry, which also costs, you know, your, your four cards for 14 damage, potentially 18 damage off your four cards. Like, that is look, 19 with the Kadashi. That's huge. Dude, this card is also going to eat people limited. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what we talk about. This is a straight up upgrade for Katsu. Um, super powerful. Like, it's here for four, and then going to grab that Fluster Fist, like you talked about. Or if you have the one floating resource, maybe you go grab, like, I don't know your extra. What would you call it? Spinning descent. You could go get another descent gust wave. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not as good because it's a it's a three cost. But you know, I mean, yeah, like that ability is going to need to be relevant to cards being in graveyard, and and that you know sometimes you're going to draw this, and it's going to be a two for four that defense for three, and that's going to be really awkward. But I think that the the power level is is increased. Not necessarily the consistency with this line, but some of the consistency in the other lines gets increased. But also because you have, um, you, this could come off a Wildman Gust Wave as well. So that does help with consistency. I think that Dex would play this card if it blocks for two, which is like the highest yeah. praise I can give any card in Flesh and Blood. 
Probably. It's going to be really interesting to see just how, how good this card is. And obviously cards that block for three and, and ninja is, is, is good. Like you want those because there's yeah. not, there's a lot of two blocks, obviously. What let's talk about the head jab line. So obviously head jab traditionally is probably the, the weakest of the, the original Katsu lines head jab um, into open the center. I want to say it's called yep, into it. pounding gale was the last on that one. Um, so we've head jab into open the center into pounding gale or fluster fist. And we also have head jab now into one, two punch and into recoil. So I, I love this. One, two yep. punch. You want to read it out? Yep. Uh, go for it. You got it. Yeah, sure. So it's a zero for three with combo. It says if head jab is the last attack, this combat chain, this, when this hits, uh, this has, sorry, when this hits a hero deal two damage to them. So threatening a zero for five, obviously it's, it's zero for three, but it has go again. So it's an effective another head jab that's presenting two damage. And then what's the, the line after that? That's the... After one, two punch. Recoil, right? We got recoil. So recoil is the optional other one, right? So you can go recoil, zero cost. uh, We're looking at at red. Zero for three, blocks for three, combo. If head jab was the last attack, this combat chain, this has, when this hits a hero, they put a card from their hand on top of their deck. That's good. That's freaking good. (laughs) <laughs> like i mean this is so much better than what we were dealing with in terms of uh katsu cards before like head jab is a legit line i think you could put into your deck yeah the, the problem i see with this line right is it's all zero for threes which if your opponent wants to defend that's not particularly great if your opponent does not want to defend and they have a lot of two blocks in the deck then these these lines become a lot more appealing um obviously i think like art of war with these lines looks yes. really good um you could probably pair these with 100 wins lines um you know, you've got Be Like Water, which is Be Like Water we haven't talked about, but this is the card that gives you helps give you the consistency, right? Because it's a zero for three and it has when this hits, you may put a you may pay a one resource, and if you do, you can choose head jab, surging strike, or twin twisters, and be like water gets that name. It's my favorite can, card in this like in the entire set. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. You know, you can have this a surging strike that costs that you won effectively. Um that's that's very interesting. Hey, now I gotta get your thoughts on this card. Silverwind Shuriken. This is a ninja action shuriken item. At Majestic, it's blue, cost zero. It's an item, by the way. So, and then it says okay. attack reaction doesn't defend you, right? Attack reaction, destroy Silverwind Shuriken, target attack action card with combo, gains plus one. How, I mean, how interesting is this? And do you think, are you thinking like, hmm, is there any sort of like, I mean, this is definitely good against like uh, defensive decks, right? You stack these up over the course of the game and you have your sort of one go off game to, I guess, get over the get over the line. But what do you, th- I mean, this is new. This is a ninja specific <laughs> item that now sits in board and threatens, you know, threatens the activation of the plus one. It's sort of a, a um, amulet of earth, right? Yeah. Which- so that's, ex- first of all, art on this card freaking sweet probably yeah. maybe might be one of my favorite art the ninja art is my favorite art i think in this and wow it's close but visiting the floating dojo is also great art but anyway that aside um i compared this to amulet of earth to start with and i was like ah you know like amulet of earth like triggers for the whole like potential combat chain mm-hmm. getting like two or three attacks plus one but then i thought hold up the the what you're triggering these on the on hit effects that this can push over the line is huge right like we just talked about you know um recoil for instance we talked about uh the what's the the one two punch what's the one that gives two like yeah two damage one two punch you know there's mugenshi release there's a uh, hurricane technique which is a card that i freaking love and you can potentially turn this silver one shuriken into plus one damage 
another card. Yeah, whelming gust wave. Like I mean, just like classics yep. that draw cards. Like and just like permanent it's, it's threat. It's always there. Permanent threat of activation. Yeah, I mean, we. I think we know this. Like, we've we're very accustomed to this after Pro Tour Leo when we were like I think we were some of the only people playing Amulet of Earth, and it was like, dude, how freaking good was that card? Like, I mean, it was maybe because people were seeing that card for the first time, but like my opponents got blown out by freaking Amulet of Earth every single time. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I think the way that you... So then I thought about, okay, how would I play against this card? Well, I just let it hit immediately. Yep. That's exactly what happens. Like, I just let, I just block for three and I present my opponent the opportunity to immediately, like, pop this and get the value out of it. And then, then I was like, okay, that, yeah, that's fine, you know? But then what if they don't do that? Then, okay, I've blocked out their line. That's good. But then they've still got the street of activation and they can still find the best possible spot to use it. And that... Overall, I think the card is good. It's going to be playable. It's zero cost, so it works with Kadachis. It doesn't defend, which is relevant. Um, doesn't but have to go like, again itself, so you have to... doesn't have to go again, but turn zero. Or the end of a chain, but you can... End you of can, chain, you know, you, chain there's, sure. there's lines where you're like, okay, uh, Kadachi, Kadachi, leg tap, and then your opponent's like, okay, let the leg tap hit, block the yeah. Kadachi. I'm ready to like stop your rising knee thrust, and you're like, boom, silver one, sure, it can pass. <laughs> yeah, honestly in that case i might ditch the silver and shuriken to katsu's ability go grab my rising knee but sure this card yeah. is good this card cool. I th- this card is good i just don't know <laughs> if it's yeah i mean the fact that pitches for kadashi's in his blue is great but um not defending is is tough i mean i think not defending is a meta def- is amended dependent kind of card that you play um yeah like it, it, <clears throat> there's a lot of things we could talk about we could go down like the twin twisters route and that's what i'm talking about and- though that there is so much to talk about because freaking outsiders for ninja is awesome i mean honestly the whole set design i think that i haven't played with it yet but they knocked it out of the park like i haven't seen something this cool in a long time but with ninja specifically i mean this stuff is great i do want to talk about the new kick line quickly but i just want to point out one thing we talked a couple of weeks ago and we had a question from the commander cookout section which is what does katsu need to yep. to be good and we talked about these no side grades upgrades but the other thing that we talked about is katsu's ability is very very good you need it you need cards that can make sure that when you have that thread of activation and you hit with that that card to trigger it you are going to get value out of it and now with the power of these lines that's going to happen you know it's not like oh look they have no red one with gust waves left in the deck now i don't have to worry about the cuts ability no no no. i've got descendant gust wave now so <clears throat> these the, making cuts ability good is what is kind of exciting about the set um, yes i do think that uh i do think this will be the this i do think it'll be the best aggro deck i do to answer your original question well that was actually a <clears throat> that was a, a claim by uh jason long uh people may know we've had him on the pod before he's uh I want to say like four or five time calling top eight player. Uh, very, he was a Katsu stan in the original yeah. sort of uh, Welcome to Wraith days. He said, Katsu's back to being the best aggro deck, baby. Um, Cyclone Roundhouse. Is this guy busted? Cyclone Roundhouse. All right, just read it out for everybody. I'll read it out. So Cyclone Roundhouse is a yellow uh, majestic cost two ninja attack action, defense three, attacks of five. And it has combo. If spinning wheel kick was the last attack, this combo chain. This has, at the beginning of your of the reaction step, banish a random defending card from each chain link. Now, if there's equipment on the chain link... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's ridiculous. So, yes, this can, this can banish something from the current chain link, you know, to p- push damage through, which is, which is great. Um, but also, the other thing this can do is uh, banish potential equipment from a really long chain link. Maybe one was thrown in front of a Kadachi, for Dude, instance. The well, shield. That, yes, the shield. It's gone. Yes. <laughs> That's so good, dude. Oh, wow. The last check. Is- it's, it's at least very cool. Let me reread uh, this. If spinning wheel kick was the last attack 
uh, this combat chain, this has, at the beginning of the reaction step, so it doesn't even have to hit. Okay. No. Katsu controls back, baby. It's back. So let me, yeah, let me take you through a, a line. Because spinning wheel kick is effectively like tap with text, which is great. Because it has, it's a one for four at red, blocks two, has natural go again, but also has combo, which is really cool. Um, so this is a card you could go and get potentially with your, um, uh, what do we talk about for with your Bonds of Ancestry? But anyway, that aside, Spinning Wheel Kick is combo of Twin Twisters or Spinning Wheel Kick was the last attack this combat chain. It has plus one, and when this hits, put a card, uh, put it on the bottom of its owner's deck. You know, again, Angel of T kind of stuff, some really interesting stuff there. Gets plus one, can be a one for five if you play your second Spinning Kick on top of this. Already really powerful. Then all of a sudden, okay, come in with my Kadachi, come in with my second Kadachi, my opponent's like, all right, gotta, gotta, gotta block that with this piece of equipment, you know, with my, my shield. Spinning Wheel Kick. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to pitch the, pitch the next card, Cyclone Roundhouse, just come in here. There's already four chain links. Maybe there's one or two equipment on these these chains. You're, you're going to banish a card on this to push more damage as well if they try and block it. Like, it, It's really interesting at the very least and does look quite powerful because Spinning Wheel Kick is in itself just a good return. Yeah, it's this is great um, because I think one of the biggest issues was the, remind me of the name of the Guardian Shield. Now I'm forgetting names. Um, it is uh, Ramshead. Ramshead, such yeah. a nightmare for, for Katsu. Yeah, just I think that honestly, like this makes me so excited for Katsu Control and Katsu Mid Range that abuses Flick Flack. Like I think Flick Flack has just gone up in stock again. Because honestly, Flick Flack, dude, the only reason why Flick Flack isn't being played right now is because that that stupid shield and then Katsu being a little bit less powerful than the other, you know, fast decks. Yeah. And if we're able to negate those problems with better Katsu cards and this new card that deletes the shield effectively. Oh my god, Flick Flack is back, baby. Or yeah, everybody's gonna learn around. how toxic you can play that around card, it, right? That but, card is. I mean, they can, they can, they can definitely try to play around it. But I think that the danger comes in when they're blocking the, the first Kadachi, which is when they use it. So, I mean, it's hard, crown, hard to just play crown around. the first. Crown the, the second Kadachi, one? take the yeah. first one. Yeah, there will be ways to play around it. But, but now they're leaking uh, damage. Is their shield even good? Sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But are we playing fatigue ultimate anyway? Um, Anyway, at the very least, it's very interesting and I'm excited. What I'm most excited about as a, you know, throwing my Welcome Freth Boomer Age here is going back to playing these like just, just good card Katsu decks, just like Kadachi, Kadachi, Threat, Threat, or Kadachi, Leg Tap, Threat. Like, I, that was one of my favorite ways to play Katsu. It was just this like tempo based kind of way. Maybe I have some Flick Flex in my sideboard to bring in for aggro matchups. You know, maybe I've got uh, a couple of like combo lines and then maybe I'm just playing a pure damage. Like, I, Katsu is such a cool hero where you can do a lot of stuff with and i'm glad that katsu looks like it's back yeah i agree with you all right let's move on to wrap up our kind of first take on outsiders and class constructor let's look at some of these um generics actually do you want do you want to talk about any of the equipment i mean um obviously like we've got flick knives which is the assassin ninja equipment arms yeah how do we um, deduce how that works against crown of seeds and yeah, not good not well not good this one doesn't Damn. work well but the van Bryce does so if you use this against crown of seeds you would lose your dagger uh, because the it's if you haven't seen flick knives it's a once per turn attack reaction it's a sorry assassin ninja equipment and arms blade break one defense once per turn attack reaction zero target dagger you control that isn't on the active chain link deals one damage to target hero if damage is dealt this way the dagger is hit full stop destroy the dagger so <clears throat> as soon as you activate this ability you're going to be losing the dagger whether the damage is prevented or um or, or not or whatever happens with the damage like it's, it doesn't need to hit you're going to dagger's going to get destroyed so um <clears throat> yeah i mean what's more interesting to me about this is that like this is like an extender for the end game you know it's it already has blade break once so you could use it to as an iron rot and a pinch if you needed to or in the end game situation you could basically throw um 
or damage at your opponent. Throw your mm-hmm. Kadachis over two turns to deal on damage. Yeah, uh, I think we should get into the generics because there's a spe- there's a card I want to talk to you about. You want to talk about Van Brace quickly first, though? Okay, this is yeah, the go for it. This arm. is the anti uh, the anti crown, eh? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to find who Van I got Brace it. is back on. Van Brace's determination, legendary generic equipment, arms, defense for zero. Says once per turn, attack reaction, one resource. Next prevention effect that prevents damage. This turn prevents one less of that damage. And it also has when this defends, you may pay one if you do against plus one in Blade Rake, um, which means that at the end of the combat chain or when it closes, you destroy it. Basically, its second ability is Ironhide, effectively, for, for one. Yeah. Um, defense. But the first ability, is this just an, literally an anti Crown Seeds card? Yes. So the Crown. But it costs one. Yeah, it costs one. I mean, that's the problem, right? So you need to have this like additional superfluous resource that you can just sink into this. It's still important, right? Because the threat of activation here, like they crown. Well, can they crown? Nah, because then you can, if they're trying to use crown to dodge it on hit trigger, you can react with this, right? I'm trying to think yeah, about how the priority this works. I think on hit effects, this is where this can be relevant. Uh, potentially, like spectral shields as well. Whatever prison looks like with the, oh with um, dust of dawn or in in blitz or you know th- this card does have other relevant things outside of just crown of seeds. Um, but that is kind of the one that comes to mind immediately. And is it going to be good? I don't know. It, it's something. It's something interesting. And I think decks that want to combat potential crown of seeds fatigue and uh, looking for creative ways to use their resources. This is this is something that could be could be that. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> generics. Gore belching. <laughs> so, gore belching. Majestic. Red, uh, red uh, zero cost, seven attack, no defense. When this attacks, reveal cards from the top of your deck until you reveal an attack action card. If you do, banish it. And this gets minus X, where X is the attack of the card banished this way. Other way otherwise, this gets minus seven, shuffle. What do you think? The last part of that text is really relevant. Otherwise, this gets minus seven. So if you have to hit something, you can't just play this with no other attacks. You can't do the old, I'm playing Kano with one gore belching. It's not yeah. going to work, unfortunately. Um, is this card good? So you need to find a deck where you're going to... So let's say you're playing a, a red line aggro deck with like... Like we just talked about head jabs, right? So if that's the best attack in your deck, for the most part, maybe you've got a few outliers, but you've got a lot of head jabs in your deck. Okay, this is a zero for four. Uh, let's have go again. It's not particularly great. Um, so it's a zero forward, no hit effect. So it's worse than something like snatch. So you need to find ways for this to be relevant, like for like a minus one or minus two, right? So you can get this for zero for five or zero for six. And and how do you do that? That's the question. If it hits any of your blues, you're just, you're, you're, it's great, right? Like, I mean, so if like the floor is zero, zero for three and then, you know, the, zero for five the, as a ceiling is not particularly good. Well, if you're for, it'd be like zero for six if it hits your blade. Well, if you're if you're attacked, attack for one. But I'm yeah. thinking in things like I was my rune blade sprung to mind, mm-hmm. like um, spellblade assault and things like that. Like you know, zero for five. That's not particularly interesting. I think so. It needs to really be zero for six. I think. Yeah. But rouse the ancients. That's the card that comes to mind, right? If you can flip off rouse the ancients from this, so it becomes in for full seven. That that's huge. <laughs> I feel like this this card is very interesting to me. And also the the concept of digging through your like digging through your deck until you hit an attack action card and then banishing it like just something about that seems like I'm just like can we abuse this? Is there anything going on here? Like uh, my inkling is no, but it's interesting. Yeah, um, it's the one I've I've definitely spent a little bit of time thinking about. But there's other cards that have been I would say a bit more interesting to me. Uh, you know, like wreak havoc. That's a quite interesting one. That's the two for six at red. Defense reactions can't be played to wreak havoc's chain link. 
And when this hits a hero, you may turn a card in the arsenal face up and destroy a defense reaction in their arsenal. So, you know, just another, it's like Command & Conquer light. You mm-hmm. know, again, seen the memes. We have Command & Conquer. No, we have Command & Conquer at home. It's wreak havoc. Yeah. What about, uh, what do you think of give and take? So, I'll read it out. Red, uh, one cost, three attack, three defense. Whenever give and take is defended by an action card, you may put an action card with costs less than give and take's attack, which, by the way, is three, from your graveyard on top of your deck. Yeah, again, uh, I mean, the fact that defense for three is relevant, it does cost one. Um, I think if this costs zero, it would be, like, going into a lot of decks, so it makes sense that it costs one. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, this into then, like, Ravenous Rebel is really cool, right? Okay, I'm going to put my power red attack that I want for next turn. Maybe it's just another, you know, go again attack or whatever. And then you would play a Ravenous Rebel and reveal a red, for instance. Like, you know, just ensuring that that Ravenous Rebel comes in for four. But one for three is not particularly exciting, right? Like, that card that you put on top needs to be really, really relevant, I think. Yeah. What? Defended by an action or an action so, what what about Ignis Fatigue though? Like, is this just is it a silver bullet? Like, how does Fatigue beat this card? Um, they just don't block it. They don't they block, block it. The so yeah, I mean, you all, you <laughs> don't block the defense reaction. Yeah, yeah. You obviously sandbag it until they're out of those cards because usually, I mean, but then what I, are you putting on top? Give and takes. <laughs> cost like Blood Rush Bellows is a card that comes to mind if you put this in brute, for instance. But it's like first they have to block with it. Like Cadaver's Contraband is probably just a better card. Yeah, cost less than give and takes attack, which is three. Can you not just loop give and takes? Um, you can loop it, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, you you can, you can. If they have, if they defend us with an action card, that's true. That's true. Okay, so that seems gas. Like if you just sandbag this until the end game, like it just seems like a like silver bullet esque against fatigue. Let me know in the comments if like tell me how fatigue beats this card. I know like and don't say just play a defense reaction because you would sandbag this until as late as possible. Well but, you just um, give up three life. That's yeah. how you beat it. You give up six life to yeah. get two of them. To Ideally them. you're playing it when they're on like on lower life. And sure, that, sure, that's sure, significant. Sure. The f- a fatigue deck is just losing three life against you. That's crazy, right? Like if a fatigue deck has to unconditionally just not block this, that's a super, super powerful card. And then you're just remembering this this bad boy back and like Dude, we're in business against fatigue. I think the the problem is that it's red. You're gonna have to play it early or pitch it. I I'd, I'd be interested to see what people think, but from from my standpoint, I'm I'm not sure this is quite the answer. This feels like last year's effort. I'll be honest with you. Okay, this, a little bit. I think this. I think it's, <laughs> it's the bucket I'm putting it in. I think this card um, is uh, like a borderline silver bullet against fatigue, but I could be just misunderstanding it. You've played multiple of them, right? You've played probably three. Uh. Yeah, most likely. But I think you can get away with two. All right. Any other cards you want to want to touch on? Um, I mean, there's some really interesting generics in this, like Brush Off, which is the damage prevention one. Uh, Humble, which is the... This is the two-cost attacks with six red at rare. Uh, when this is a hero, they lose all abilities until the end of the next turn. Um, so, you know, it's like Sleep Dart, but on a generic attack. That's That's interesting. The card I've been sort of building up to talk about isn't look for looking for a scrap though. Looking yeah, looking for a scrap, uh, which is a one cost generic attack action at red it attacks for four, defense for two. This is as an additional cost to play, looking for a scrap. You may banish a card with one attack from your graveyard. When you do, this gains yes. plus one attack yes. and go again. This is a freaking limited all-star, by the way. Yeah, but is this has this got constructed potential? Like I think so. Is there because yep. you just talked about cards, you know, blue cards with one cost for gore belching. 
they're also going to work for looking for a scrap and in a re- yeah. I would say in a better way potentially. Yeah, looking for a scrap, I th- like one for five. Go again in the la- in the later game. Last guess once you developed a bit of graveyard. Like I think this card is incredibly good. I, are you thinking this is just kind of okay because this seems crazy powerful? I think it's either going to be unplayable or really, really good. <laughs> because either you're going to have a deck that can service this really well with, you know, the, the, the misses, like the first card I thought it was blue belittle, which is obviously no longer around. But like, if you've got a deck that's able to play maybe nine to 12 blue one, co- uh, one power attacks, like this card becomes really interesting, I think. But is there a deck that can do that and not have to change the way it looks to do so? Like Ninja is one, right? Yes, like, Ninja. Could this, be, could this be a Ninja deck that's just like, all my blues are combo cards that like have one attack or whatever. And then I have this looking for a scrap. Like, is that, is that good? Maybe. I guess we'll find out. Seems pretty freaking good. Arun, I think we've, we've run pretty long on our first takes on Outsiders uh, for Classic Constructed. I don't know if there's anything else you want to kind of talk about. I mean, just my overall takeaway is that this is going to be really interesting for what Constructed looks like. I think we've got some ways to tackle, particularly Icelander, I think. Like, the Rangers were already pretty good into Icelander, I think, which is good. I think the Assassins can be good there as well. My concern is still going to be around what happens with the four-man Ultim. Like, Ultim still looks like it's going to be really good. I'm more thinking like proactive Ultim, but... Mm-hmm. um. I'm I'm excited to get into this. Katsu is one that particularly piques my interest, I think, if um if Ultim can't be super flexible. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. I, I think that overall the set looks looks really, really good for a constructed. Like I haven't it's been a while since I've uh we've done a review and I've had this kind of feeling from a from a set in regards to its potential constructed impact. It is coming into a tough into a tough constructed meta, right? Like one where Oldham exists, Frostbites mm-hmm. exist. Like it's hard for a lot of design to sort of percolate when those are present in the meta. But um it looks powerful. Looks very powerful. Yeah, let's not forget Briar's still around. Like, you know I would be is- happy to play the Katsu deck into Briar, to be honest. Like uh, now looking at these Katsu deck like these Katsu cards, like the mo- the thing I'm most worried about in terms of like this deck not making a huge impact on the meta is Ice Heroes, is things like Old Him. If it's going up head to head against another aggro deck like Briar, like I think it looks it, it looks like it can definitely make an impact. I, th- I think we have our first outsiders gameplay video, Brendan, right there and there. <laughs> yeah, for Kats- sure. Katsu versus Briar. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm going to wrap up the show. I want to let you know as well, we've, we've touched on Constructed. Next week is all about Limited. We've got our Limited to Review for Outsiders dropping. and The pod will be coming early, so you'll have that before, well and truly before pre-release to dive into and understand, you know, kind of what are our takes on the Limited format and what are the cards that we, you know, get, get some assessment of cards to play for your pre-release. Of course, we, as I said at the top of the show, we have a new podcast dropping on Arsenal Pass as well. Limited time only. I've got Yuanji joining me for episode one. We are doing a pre-release primer, all things you need to know for winning your pre-release. Uh, check that out. That'll be up next week as well. Nice and early so you can get that before your pre-release. I want to say a big thank you to all of our Arsenal Pass patrons. And uh, if you want to find this guy next to me on Twitter, he's at BrendanAPG. I'm at Fian underscore Dale. Uh, until next week, Brendan, unless there's anything else we're going to sign yep. off. Just uh, don't forget about the giveaway uh, that we mentioned at the top yes. of the pod. That is a comment, like, subscribe on YouTube, or you can submit a review, or you can do both. Review gets 2x weighted. Uh, funnier the better. Rate this podcast.com slash Arsenal Pass. See you next week. See ya.